Again, my name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And I'm so excited today that we are beginning a new three-week series called R&R. Now, over the years, I always thought that R&R stood for rest and relaxation. When I did a quick Google search, it turns out it stands for rest and recreation. And so this made me wonder, how might rest and play help us to be recreated by God? Because when we search the scriptures, we see that withdrawal from the world, that rest, that stopping, that Sabbath, that delighting in creation, that finding fulfillment in this one abundant life that Jesus has given us is part of God's design for us as humans. So we begin today with this wonderful verse from Matthew chapter 11. You may have noticed that I chose a different translation for today. It comes from the message, which is a contemporary translation of the Bible done by the scholar Eugene Peterson. If you haven't read it before, I encourage you to do that. I like it because many times its words really capture our imaginations and offer a fresh take on passages that some of us have heard for our entire lives. And so this passage today, it comes in the context of Matthew, our writer, revealing more of Jesus's identity to us. And here, a part of Jesus's identity is to issue, issue his readers an invitation. Now, in more traditional translations like the NIV or the NRSV, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now for the writer Matthew, this was important because at the time, many people felt the burden of religious obligation imposed on them by the Pharisees and the scribes, meaning that sometimes religion could feel like a set of rules or regulations or even work put forth by the church that prevented someone from actually communing with God. Now, I think that we can relate to that idea, right? There are times when our spiritual routine feels rote. There are times when we get burned out on the inner workings of our church committees, or we just feel plain stagnant in our spiritual life. It is also probable that Jesus was issuing an invitation to a life different than the one promoted by Rome. One commentator put it this way, Jesus was beckoning, urging those who were burdened or weary or oppressed by the taxing demands of Roman rule to take his yoke upon them. I think we can also understand that kind of culture. Some might even say an empire like Rome's that burdens or oppresses or work that makes us feel weary because of its demands and its high expectations. And so, to me, Jesus' beckoning is a religious reckoning. You do not have to succumb to the yoke of the world. You do not have to be burned out on religion. 
you can come to Jesus, get away with him, and recover your life. Jesus says, if you do this, I will show you how to take a real rest. You will walk with me and watch me and learn these unforced rhythms of grace. You will keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Now contextually, two more things are important about those words. In this instance, rest is not just mere ease of life, it's synonymous with salvation. Learning and practicing rest means that you will save yourself or you will save your relationships, that something redemptive comes out of stopping. And that it isn't something you automatically know how to do. You have to learn from Jesus, walk with Jesus. He will show you how to do it. And to me, for each of us, that is a beautiful invitation from Scripture that calls us to take a deep breath. Now, I have to tell you that the idea for this series came from a class that I began at the end of May called The Art of Well-Being. Some of you have heard me talk about this. The very first session was about learning to receive Jesus, being in Jesus' presence. They also gave us in that session this rest quiz to take. Now, rest quizzes or quizzes in general make people roll their eyes a little bit. But this one was tied to a book called Sacred Rest. And what caught my attention was that we often think about rest in only one or two dimensions, uh, most often in physical rest, like being completely stopped. But this quiz said that we should think about rest in seven ways, spiritual, social, physical, mental, emotional, creative, and sensory. So over the next three weeks, I want to touch on all of those, but today we're going to start with the foundation, with spiritual rest, and this is how it's defined. The capacity to experience God in all things and to recline in the knowledge of the holy. This past weekend, my husband Mark and my son Lewis, who just turned three, went on a family beach trip to South Padre Island. Now, my husband grew up in Austin, Texas, so this was the place that his family went to over and over. It was my mother-in-law's 70th birthday. Um, because of some issues with our pregnancy, we decided I was stable enough for them to go, but that I was still going to stay here and be in town and close to the doctor. Now, they left on Friday and they came back Tuesday, so it wasn't terribly long, uh, but I really get energy from people, so I only liked being alone for so long. Sometimes I wished I was there with them, and other times I really relished that, like, there was nothing for me to do. <laughs> I noticed, though, I noticed because when we stop, we notice, particularly as parents of young children, I noticed that I was eager to go to bed early so that I could get up early in the morning. And most mornings I got up, I did basic things, fed the dog, made my decaf coffee, made the same breakfast I eat every day. And then I just sat on the back porch in my rocking chair and I watched the world come alive. I watched the green trees sway in the wind. I saw cardinals sitting on the fence. I listened to the birds as they sang. 
One morning I put my earphones in and listened to music, which is a way I really connect to God. Two of the mornings I took my Bible out there and opened it up to the Psalms and read scripture. And in those moments, looking back at them now, I know that I recovered something from my life. I need those moments of communing with God that aren't tied to the church. I need moments to breathe deep and get my mind in the right space. I need to experience God and all that surrounds me and recline in the knowledge of the holy because that is the only thing that sees me through stress and busyness, work, life, and trying to bring a new baby into the world. And so the same is true for each of us. There has to be a divine connection that we make intentionally. We have to find our way back to the source of life and back to ourselves because this is the only way that we put our lives into holy perspective. It is the only way that we can survive and properly place the demands of this world in our life. When we rest in Jesus, we remember that everything we do Everything we seek to accomplish, the way that we parent, the way that we exist in relationships with each other, all of that begins with how we orient our lives around Jesus Christ. Now, what I know because I am human like you is that rest is one of the hardest things in this world. It is countercultural. We push back against it in our own spirits. This week, I listened to a great podcast by, uh, my, that my neighbor had sent to me. It's called Work Well, and it's hosted by the Chief Wellbeing Officer of Deloitte. Imagine that you have a Chief Wellbeing Officer at your job. Her name is Jen Fisher. So Jen interviewed these two authors of a book called Time Off, John Finch and Max Frenzel, and it was, uh, the episode was called How to Rest as Hard as You Work. Now, they offered several excellent insights, and I invite you to go back and listen to that. But here are the ones that caught my attention. The first was their use of the language rest ethic. They argued that we have to create and maintain a rest ethic with the same fervor as we create and maintain our work ethic. And that is what I hear Jesus saying in this passage. You have to learn how to do this. You have to learn how to have a rest ethic in your life. Ironically, in our culture, we have to work at resting. Now, the second thing they said that explains to me a little bit of why we may feel that way, and this is fascinating. Historically, the importance of rest over time went from being this highly valued ideal to something that we actually feel guilty about doing. Back in ancient Rome and Greece, uh, rest and leisure were highly valued. People only worked for a couple hours a day. Still, if you go uh, over to those places, you'll see that shops closed down. But there was also this hierarchy that Aristotle created and promoted. Now, the authors explain that on the bottom of this hierarchy was rest, and in the middle was work, and that was often because rest supported better work. But at the top of the pyramid was a concept called noble leisure, and that is because rest and work helped you to arrive at noble leisure. Noble leisure was defined 
as anything that filled a person with true meaning. Now, around the 17th century, that cultural perception of noble leisure started to shift, and it shifted because of this phrase we know, the Protestant work ethic. See, at the time, the upper class was worried that if the poorer people had more time, they would waste it, they would get drunk, they would riot, they would not make enough money. And so they used religion to support the idea that you should work as hard as possible. The idea being, hey, look, God gave you this valuable time on planet Earth. Don't waste it. You need to work hard for his glory. So what happened is that work became elevated to the most sacred thing. So the authors argue that we have sort of lost the idea that work is sacred. I think I would push back against that a little bit. But we have not lost the idea that it, we feel guilty if we do not work, that we see not working as slacking off, that we see time off as an actual sin. And that right there is what I think they have pinpointed to a T. How many of us know that we feel guilty when we slow down or rest or watch TV or have an unproductive day? How many of us feel shame when it appears that others are bustling around us as we're still. See, not only do we have to fight to have a rest ethic in a world that loves to award people that work the longest hours, we have to fight to have a Jesus rest ethic, which was never meant to cause us shame or guilt, but to relieve the misuse of religion to bind us to a heavy yoke. And so the third thing they say is what I think helps us begin to untangle ourselves from this man-made religious guilt rest crisis. They say, as we learn how to have a rest ethic, some of us need to frame our time off differently. Rest does not have to mean doing nothing. It's hard for any of us to do nothing. But what is most important is to detach yourself from your work that allows you to really rest from it. Work meaning taking care of your kids at home or volunteering or going to an office eight to four, however you define work. Because this is what they say, rest from work ultimately leads to greater fulfillment in our work and in our lives. Time off is an investment in our creativity and our productivity. One of the authors says, when it comes to the creative expression, there are four stages, hang with me on this, preparation, incubation, illumination, and verification. So four ideas to be discovered, for our creativity to flourish, for our problems in our lives to be solved, we have to give our heart, soul, and mind time to incubate to stew, to chew, to think mentally free, and then it is illuminated how we might move forward. In other words, if you cannot simply stop, try think about, thinking about rest as productive, as a creative way towards a more fulfilling work life. Practically, this means instead of pushing through your tired and weary state, you have to allow yourself to get up and move away 
and come back refreshed. More times than not, the break is what leads to the breakthrough. And for us as Christians, the same is true in every area of our life, especially the spiritual life. Experiencing God in all things and reclining in the knowledge of the holy incubates our deepest yearnings for life. Rest illuminates how Jesus wants us to live. Rest calls us to be better people and coworkers and spouses and parents and friends. Rest leads us to noble leisure, that which fills us with meaning and gives us hope and new life. Rest shows us that it is not only okay to stop, it is necessary so that we savor this one abundant life that Christ has given us before we miss it entirely because of work. So this week, I want to challenge you, and it's a challenge, to make intentional time to get away with Jesus. Watch him, keep company with him, learn his unforced rhythms of grace, because his invitation is rest for your tired and weary soul. His inv invitation is to save yourself and to recover your life. Thanks be to God. Amen.